Mrs. O'Leary lit a lantern in the shed. Her cow kicked it over, and then with a wink, and said, There'll be a hot time in this old town tonight. Hello, and welcome back to A Haunting Podcast with your hosts, Tegan. And Jordan. Today, we're going to be talking about a couple spooky locations up in Chicago. Oh, yeah, I'm ready for this. Oh, I love Chicago and their history. They have a lot of it. A lot has happened in Chicago. A lot and a lot of uh, a lot of ghosts up there, as it turns out. I guess it's the second season uh, city for a reason, right? It is the second city for a reason. Exactly. Starting off, we're going to kick it off with the Great Chicago Fire, hence why we had Mrs. O'Leary. It's such a good and creepy poem. I mean, I was listening to uh, the song right before, mm-hmm. and it was, I don't know, the, it, was, it was the beat they put behind it. Was it was just too happy. It was just yeah. creepy. As I said before, uh, the last part of the lyric, which is, she winked her eye and said, there'll be a hot time in this old town tonight. It's just like, you know, people died, Mrs. O'Leary. Like People died. Like 300 people died. Yeah. It's just like, what the hell, you know? <laughs> Is it rude? Be haunting her. <laughs> it's just, it's just rude. Yeah, no, it was um, actually pretty crazy. It's funny because reading up on it, one of the things that was said was that people really didn't react in a timely manner. Essentially, like they, they just things were lighting up around them, and they still weren't taking it seriously. And that's why the death toll was as high as it was. Back in those days, like really before the modern, real modern era that we live in, fires were a very common thing. They really were. And, you know, there was a couple other big fires that actually Mm -hmm. overshadowed Mm -hmm. the Chicago fire and a lot of very tired firefighters by the time the Chicago fire actually happened. They were even sent to the wrong location at some point. (laughs) I'm not surprised by this. Segwaying to that, let's get to the Water Tower Hanging Man. So, the Water Tower Hanging Man, yes. So, there was a man who was working the water tower that night, you know, doing maintenance and whatever else you had to do at a, for a water tower at that time. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so, he decided to not flee from the fire. He decided to stay and work the water tower until he couldn't anymore and when the flames started to come closer to him he actually decided it would be easier to hang himself and end it instead of letting the fire take him which honestly very understandable understandable being burned alive is uh not, not a good way to go yeah not not my choice if i had to choose a different way it would not be with a flame it wouldn't be with a flame either yes now we should tell that this is an urban legend because uh, there is kind of little evidence that th- this did happen. What we do know is that the water tower survived mostly because of a German immigrant named Frank Troutman. He's the real hero here. The real hero. He covered the building in woolen blankets and, dis- and uh, discarded canvas sails soaked in lake water. True hero there, and that's why the water tower remains today. But... A lot of people say there's creepy things happening around the water tower at night. Yes, uh, you have reports of a figure swinging in the windows of the towers. Some people have even actually called the cops. Called the cops. They have called the police out there. And there have been some police who have 
confirmed this and have said, you know, hey, this is this is a creepy thing. <laughs> I mean, if I was like in a hotel or something looking down the water tower and there's a swinging shadowy figure, I would be I would be alarmed. I mean, could you imagine having to go up and like being like, okay, I got to check on this. Like, this isn't good. And you go up there and there's just nothing. There is nothing. It's it's just, it's a creepy thing that was going on. Do you think the cops were ever just like, not this again? (laughs) I imagine that after a while, they're like, no, there's not actually one, any, anyone up there, but you know what? We got to go check it out anyways. (laughs) Got to do what you got to do. You got to, got to go out there. But honestly, that's really all there is. I was surprised. There's very, for a great catastrophe that killed 300 people and eight firefighters, there's actually very little ghost story surrounding the Chicago fire. There really, there really is. I was, I was pleasantly shocked by that fact. I'm glad whatever happened there, everybody was able to move on in their own way. It seems like it. Like, this took forever to dig up. The other one was a church with a, a priest who prayed for the fire not to burn up the church. And uh, it worked. Yes. The, he... the church did not burn up. But to this day, people say his ghost can be seen protecting the church and wandering around. You know, a benevolent ghost. Nothing I would hate, personally. Oh, absolutely not. He sounds actually quite lovely. That doesn't end there. I did not know until we started to research for this episode. You were but very surprised about we this. We were surprised. But within the zoo is a mausoleum belonging to Ira Couch, a millionaire hotelier, the last remnant of what the zoo, once upon a time, was. I just can't imagine being, you know, Ira and having my just my peaceful place disrupted by tourists. That's not true. You would absolutely love to be near a zoo. Okay, I would love to be near a zoo, but not the people. <laughs> no, the people would be terrible. The people would be absolutely... Bring me to the lions. That's, that's perfect. Ooh, the penguins. Or the penguins would be cool. I want the penguins. As it turns out, before the Great Chicago Fire, it used to be a big cemetery. And Chicago decided we should probably move the cemetery because it was unsanitary, it was decaying, and there was some oozings happening that led to the Lake Michigan. <laughs> And so the sanitary department was just like, we should probably shut down the cemetery. I don't know about you, but I think that was a good idea. I I would concur. (laughs) I'm so glad. (laughs) Anyway, during the moving, which they were doing in earnest, money started dwindling. And so moving became slower and slower. But then the Great Chicago Fire happened and started burning down the markers. Obviously, you know, resources had to be moved. Moving the cemetery didn't become a big deal. Right. That's... But they, they tried in earnest. They were moving about 20 uh, caskets a day. Well, a lot of them were unaccounted for. I the fire heard... got rid of a lot of the markers. They couldn't find all of them. The speculation is that around 12,000 bodies still remain underneath the Lincoln Park Zoo today. That's uh. That's unpleasant to think about. That is unpleasant. They were trying to build a a barn for the zoo back in the 60s, and they hit more bones and a casket. Well, I was going to say, didn't that happen a couple of times during the It happened not only in Lincoln Park, but around Lincoln Park. They kept finding bones. So it's not just strictly in the Lincoln Park area. No. But uh, the Lincoln Park Zoo is what 
primarily takes up the cemetery. I just now, if when we go, when we finally get to go, <laughs> so I'm not gonna go and feel the same. I can tell you that. I know I'm gonna be looking at the cute little animals and being like, whose body am I stepping right. on? Well, the rumor is, on occasion at the zoo, you can see ghosts wearing Victorian era clothing wandering the park. They can appear out of nowhere and then disappear quickly. Sometimes at the lion house, you can see women walking around, not even paying attention to the to the people there. If I saw that, it'd be kind of not cool, especially if you're in the mirror. And this is known to happen. If you're looking in the mirror in one of the bathrooms and you just see someone standing there. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm out. I'm, I'm gone. I'm noping out of there. It's not happening. It's not happening. Oh, my God. I... <laughs> I would come out just nope. No, I'd come out crying. That's the reality. I'd come out crying. I would I I would not be okay with the zoo. I I wonder if the animals are just staring into nothing half the time because they see something that we don't. Oh my gosh, could you I could imagine looking at the lions. You know how our cats will like sit there and like stare off into nothing. You're like, what's there? Yeah, they Yeah. Yeah, so I just imagine that in a lion form. And mm-hmm. now if we ever go and I see a lion staring off, I'm just going to assume that there's a ghost there. <laughs> I mean, you might as well. I mean, at this point, I'm walking on someone's grave and I'm not happy about it, but I'm going to go see the I'm not lions. happy about it. I feel bad for the bodies that were just left there. If the fire didn't happen, they might have been moved. I, I like how it's only it might have been more would have been moved. It might have taken longer, but I have mm-hmm. a feeling more would have been moved at the very least. I, I, I'd hope so, too. And speaking of fires, we should probably get to the Iroquois Theater. It's a lot of fires happening. A lot of fires. But the Iroquois uh, Theater fire of 1903 is probably the second most famous fire in Chicago. Um, You know, sometimes I almost think that it is actually the most famous Mm-hmm. I know more about this one than I know about the Chicago fire. At really? least me personally. Yeah, I I knew more about this one coming into it than I did about the Chicago fire. I didn't know about it until you told me, to be honest. Oh yeah, it's a really famous one. It's um it's honestly uh pretty messed up. It is pretty messed up. A lot of people died. Uh, 600 people. 602 to be exact. Uh, some were, mo- most of them were burned to death. Right. You know, we, we know that most of them were burned to death, but some of them jumped to the death, their deaths. And uh, others tried to make like a bridge to the other building. Mm-hmm. They like, they, they fell. Oh, that's terrible. So, I mean, there were many, there, there's a lot of panic. There's a lot of fear yeah, of associated with fire. the place. And so it's uh, it's pretty uh, it's pretty crazy. The thing I found interesting the most was that you know I am a huge fan of the Titanic. Yes. That is, since I was a kid, I've always been fascinated uh, by the Titanic, and there is a lot of parallels with the Titanic in this. There really is. My favorite part was that it was deemed fireproof, unfireable, like the Titanic was deemed unsinkable. Oh yeah, it was also like considered just an architectural perfection. Mm-hmm. And if I remember right, the at the time, so was the Titanic. The Titanic was considered perfection itself. Yes. So I mean, they had uh, they had a lot of to play. Uh, mm-hmm. And they, in order to rush this out for the holiday season in December, they cut a lot of corners, a lot of corners. For instance, no fire alarms, no sprinkler systems. They had a lot of wood trim in the building, so you know, 
you know, they did not learn from the Chicago fire. They did not learn. They also had only one staircase, which was even against the law in 1903 when the fire occurred. How did this place even open? You have to wonder. A lot of money. A lot. A lot of, of money. money. A lot of money spoke. The 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 and fire then, escapes the, didn't even have ladders. Exactly. I yeah. mean, there was nothing preventing anybody from escaping if there was a fire. Yes. When you tag these uh these construction projects as like unsomethingable, they always skip corners. They, and then they wonder how did this happen? <laughs> they really, really do. What what gets me is so about six hundred six hundred and two people died, right? Correct. There were seventeen hundred people in there that night. Oh, I bet nineteen oh three that was the place to be. I mean that place was popping. It it was popping. It was popping. It was popping so much that it was on fire. Yes. Yes. Uh, a curtain knocked over a tape lamp, as it so happens. Yeah. Started a small fire that just couldn't stop spreading. And that was uh, that was because it was too popping. The party was going a little too hard. Right. They tried to stop the fire as best they could. They tried to drop a asbestos curtain on yeah. it, but uh, it wouldn't fall. And it was a good thing it didn't fall, too, because it was made out of paper. <laughs> oh, my God. No. It was made out of paper. It was made out of paper. That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Well, naturally, because you don't have any fire protection, you now have a fire burning, and the one thing that you could have possibly used is not working and also made of paper, panic ensued. Mm -hmm. Absolute and utter panic ensued. I mean, you know what's great, though? What? The orchestra. The orchestra played. They just continued to play, just like the Titanic. Just like the Titanic, another parallel. Another parallel. It was just, you know, they were just meant to uh, to coincide. It, it seemed to be. It really did. Nine years before the Titanic sinking. So, because of all the panic, they weren't actually able to get the doors open very quickly. Well, you know how theaters lock the doors before the performance. Well, yes, and, you know, they couldn't get to the doors because there was pure panic happening everywhere right. so they were finally able to get to the door um and they were opened but it caused a backdraft that's what happens when you expose fire to the frigid frigid cold chicago winter oh yeah it definitely fed those flames right. and when the backdraft happens fireballs start golfing out and that is exactly what happened it's terrible Tragically, even one couple died in the final embrace, and they had to be moved out together. They couldn't be separated. That, if you're going to have to die as a couple, that is how you go. That's the way to go. Unable to. I want to be glued to you. Even if you're still alive, <laughs> I would like my dead body to be glued to you. <laughs> That's so morbid. You have to carry it's me like around It's like one of those, you like, die. you know, conjoined twin things. Oh, my gosh. I, you know... I have questions that I don't necessarily need answers to. I don't need answers that, either. That is one of them. Well, ghosts today, because uh, right now where it stands is the Oriental Theater that stands at its place. It was built just right over it. Right over it. Well, the Oriental Theater got the ghosts from it. You can see ghosts jumping to their deaths. Reported smell of smoke just lingers in the air when there's nothing happening. Ghost fires in the back of the theater. And even... 
children giggling at night when it's closed. Where did the children come from giggling at night? I don't know, night? but I, I'm guessing children were there and probably burned too. I will attest to the smell of smoke though for hmm. like af- after house fire because they when you know in our previous episode when we talked about how uh, my house burnt down. Right. The house that my family, my mother currently lives in, was rebuilt over it, right? Mm-hmm. And to this day, you will get a lingering smell of smoke. But the house wasn't torn down, was it? Um, no, it was not. It was gutted. So but this was torn down. Yeah, I was going to say, so there is that difference. About 20 years after the fire, one of the survivors, Nelson Algren, wrote a poem called Program for Appeasement. And he wrote, Then jump, do not run, every man for himself. Get down from the balcony on someone else's head. Pick up two burning seat cushions and burn your way out to the farthest exit of the deepest corner of the last unlit exit. That all rest forgot, but never look back. Never look back. Oh, never look back. That is incredibly morbid. It's uh, it humbles you really. It really does humble you. It 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 is humans in their most instinctual survival moments, mm-hmm. and it's not a pretty sight. It's not. But on a more, I don't know if you really want to call this lighthearted. <laughs> it's creepy, but it's a very popular, recognized urban legend. Oh in yeah! Chicago. As soon as I I found this doing research for this podcast, you were just like. Oh, I've definitely heard of that one. I know, and you had not, and I was a little insulted. Just a little bit of a backstory. I am from Maryland. She is from here. I am from here. I don't know every urban legend from here. Here being Chicago. Yes. She is from Chicago. I am not. Insulted. (laughs) (laughs) No. So let me tell you a little bit about our famous Resurrection Mary. Hmm. So, um, Mary is a resurrection. Mary is a very famous story around here. Um, it kind of just goes that Mary was a teenage girl who was attending a dance at her school, and um, it was in Willow Springs at the O'Harry Ballroom. That's mm-hmm. where the dance was. So they say, kind of happens is that she was hit in a uh, killed in a hit and run. Mm-hmm. So I, we don't know that she was walking home. We don't know where she was walking home from, though. Do, 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 do. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, she was, so she was walking home from the ball, uh, and she was tragically killed in a hit and run. Uh, sometimes in the 1920s, they don't have an exact date um, for this legend. But there is uh, actually uh, some evidence that they might know who she is. Oh, really? Who? So, there is a woman named Anna, I might mess up this name, it's Majera Nokus. She's believed to actually be her. She was killed in a hit-and-run accident, in a car accident in, the 19, in 1927, on her way back from a party at the O'Henry Ballroom. And that is something that is, that is documented. My God, they actually found someone that correlates with the legend. They did. So now we think we actually know who Mary is. Oh, my God. So So, what makes Mary so scary? Tell me. So I don't think Mary is scary, personally. I think Mary's just chilling. Yeah? Okay. I I mean, granted, I think she's chilling in a very 
bad time of and part of her life, I think she probably needs to try and move on with that and just relax a little bit. <laughs> but mean, she's just nice. chilling. Okay, so Mary has a tendency, um, actually in 1939 is the first person who is known to have seen her. His name was Jerry. Mm-hmm. He was just, he was at a dance hall on the south side, just hanging out. And he became love struck by this beautiful blonde woman. Oh, man. You know how that goes. I do know how it goes. <laughs> uh, so he approached her and they just, they hit it off. They, they danced a little bit. They even shared a kiss. But he did notice that she was like, her hands were cold. So he asked her at the end of the night if she would like a ride home. And uh, Mary had pointed him in the opposite direction of her home and asked to be dropped off at Archer Avenue. Archer Avenue is the same street that her body was found on, where they believe the hint hit and run happened. Not cool. Or the car accident. Not cool. So um, this guy, I, I guess just not questioning it, not really being like, okay, I'll, I'll do that then. Uh, drops her off at Archer Road, which, I'm sorry, it's the cemetery. Mm-hmm. It's not where she was found. It's the cemetery where she's buried, the Resurrection Cemetery. He gets to the front of the cemetery, and she's just like, okay, just stop here. This is where I want to be dropped I'd off. I'd be concerned. I know. I would be a little concerned, too. And um, But she gets out of the car, and she just disappears right in front of him. I hope he didn't make out with her. <laughs> <laughs> he did kiss her. Oh, my God. He did. That's it, it terrible. That it, it is said that he did kiss her. They they hit it off. Apparently, they, they did. Off. He even described her as having cold hands, but a warm heart. As long as she has a warm heart, I guess. <laughs> I mean, that's all that matters. And they, there's, there's another famous story, or maybe not famous, but there's another story about a girl named um, Jeanette. Mm-hmm. And um, she was just out with her friends for an evening drive. And when they were passing the cemetery, a young woman wearing a white gown just jumps in front of her car. (laughs) So naturally, this young woman just breaks really hard and tries to stop the car. But there was no way to stop in time. Mm -hmm. So she was expecting a, a hit, you know, maybe her windshield cracking but there was nothing. There was no impact at all. So she stops, and her and her friends get out of the car, and there's just nothing. This young woman it's is nothing. gone. No impact. No, no sound. Impact, no sound. No anything. Just gone. Just gone. Oh my god. Gone with the wind. I wouldn't be okay with that whatsoever. Yeah, I, I would I be feel, speeding off. I I have to agree. I think I'd tell you to get in the car and just go. Exactly. So folks, if you're around. Willow Springs, Archer Avenue to be exact, and you see a woman with a white gown hitchhiking. Do not pick her up. Yeah, but please don't pick her I mean, she's just going to vanish on you anyways. She's going to vanish on you, but, but at the I, same time, do you really want that experience? Well, I mean, look, I'm just saying she's just chilling. I don't know. I don't know. She's chilling for now. She, I mean, what's she going to do? You don't, you don't know. That's the thing. No, we know exactly what she's going to do. She's going to drive past the cemetery <laughs> and then disappear. Oh, my God. People see it. I wonder you know what, what would happen. Go help her out then. I wonder what would happen if the person who was like supposed to drop her off just kept driving, though. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> all right, guys. That's all the time we have today. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Have a good night. Have a spooky night.
This has been The Haunting Podcast. You can check out our website at thehauntingpodcast.com for show notes and other extras. Thank you for listening and have a good night.